Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 17 of The Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris, and this is Paris. Hello. And this week, we read Holy Cow by David Duchovny. <laughs> yeah. An interesting pair there, the title and author, I would yeah, say. Yeah, we did. We read, we read a David Duchovny book. Yeah, I didn't realize he was a writer, or I think he actually is some kind of English professor, or like he teaches a course of some kind. No, so he... Uh, Where did I has, read that? Did I uh, read that on uh, some fake news website? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I didn't find anything out about him teaching. Perhaps he taught something somewhere briefly, but... Um, right, unverified claim, you know. Yeah, who knows? But anyway, yeah, it turns out um, Fox Mulder, <laughs> or Denise from Twin Peaks, is... Uh, also a writer and a singer-songwriter, which I found out. Oh, shit, he is? Really? Yes, yeah, it's, it's not good. Don't don't get your hopes up. You, I um, mean, I could, I could kind of see him, like, maybe pulling it off. But, I would like, say he's it, more of a talker songwriter. It's like, <laughs> okay. it's right. like this weird singing style where speaker, it's just kind speaker of... Speaker-songwriter. Yeah, it's just kind of like... Um, Oh, fuck, is can't. it Shatnery? Is that what we're talking here? Uh, no, I mean, there's some... There's, like notes involved but it's it's is it like that wild animus guy like his album oh no no it's not that bad that was like not even music to play that uh at a dnd thing i was at because i brought up the book because i like to spread that virus as far and wide (laughs) as i can no and like people became interested in the fact that he had an accompanying album and they looked it up on spotify and it was there so so then we sat and listened to it for like 15 minutes that's way too long <laughs> yeah it was an, it, they stuck with it for an impressively long time perhaps these people are have the same capacity for torture that you and i do yeah maybe um no so anyway yeah his music is i don't know i'm i'm not into it maybe if you're into okay. like can you hit me with like a song title or two if you remember like uh the album is called hell or high water oh, which is okay. like the most Real cliche fucking easy, thing in the yeah, world easy middle of the road kind yeah of. um and there was Oh, shit, I don't remember. Is what it the like song folksy or country? Are we talking just like straight up like Jewel or Alanis Morissette, but David Duchovny singer song? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's kind of like just you know a couple like a guitar and a keyboard or like sometimes I guess sometimes he has a full band. And he's I just kind him, of talk singing. Yeah, it's this weird. Um, I bet it's like in that same area of like. It sad dad rock that matchbox 20 is in you know like matchbox no, 20 no. to me always it's sounds way... like someone's about to get divorced that's what matchbox yeah, 20 sounds like to me kind of but it's like if you can imagine it's even it has even less passion than matchbox 20 okay. like that's, All right. that's oh god I'm, I'm clipping really badly sorry uh that's okay i'm gonna move my mic a little bit uh so anyway yeah, surprise, David Duchovny pa- is uh, a lot more than what he seems, yeah, He's a true renaissance man. Well, you know, I think a lot of creative types actually like to be pretty multifaceted in what they do because it's just kind of fun to explore different mediums and avenues of creativity. I'm certainly the same way. I've dabbled in a bunch of other stuff that's probably awful and, like, you know, would get featured on some other kind of podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> I just think it's funny how you're like, yeah, creative types are really expansive. And I'm like, nah, dude, people with money, you just do whatever they want. That's, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're probably right on this one. That's what it is. Yeah. You're probably, you're, I mean, we could both be right. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps he's uh, creative but and rich. And Definitely the, the rich creative types are the ones that get their stuff put out more uh, to, you know, a wider audience because they have publishing resources, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so anyway, getting getting back to it. So he wrote this book, and um, 
we found it on a list of like celebrity written books and that that list is amazing and we're probably going to go back to it for another episode i'm sure in the future yeah there was a couple of weird there, there was like a kim kardashian sci-fi novel of some yeah, kind which i was <laughs> really intrigued by oh and here's the other crazy thing so i was like okay david Duchovny, look at you like writing bad books making bad music whatever <laughs> apparently julian anderson also wrote a, a sci-fi series oh, along shit. with some guy who I can't remember his name. Um, anyway, yeah, she wrote some sci-fi series with with the help of this guy. So it seems like what happened was she came, she comes up with like the storyline and the characters and stuff, and then he kind of like puts it together. I don't know. It, it seemed very right, you know, odd. So it's a creative partnership. I Sometimes guess. it's the ideas person and yeah. the doing person. Yeah, I thought it was kind of weird, but at least the plot sounded cooler than this fucking book so i don't know okay well i was actually going to start this podcast with a, a simple question um paris could you tell me what this book is about yeah it's uh it's supposed to be a coming of age fable for uh i think teenagers there's um, definitely a uh, there's a, a question ten- mark a tonality about that. of of teenageness yeah, there's there's some weirdness. So, yeah, and you know, it's so it's a an animal farm like kind of thing where you have these anthropomorphic ish voiced animals, and they're going on an adventure together. There's some minor danger and haha calamity, and then the end of the story doesn't matter. I don't know, nothing ever matters. I guess. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, maybe that is. I was going to ask like what the more here, but it's interesting that you brought up Animal Farm actually because I was describing this book to my brother in the car on the way to the gym tonight. And he immediately made an Animal Farm comparison to which I kind of like quickly shut him down almost rudely. I was like, oh, no, Animal Farm is like way more highbrow than this. Oh, yeah. It's nothing like Animal Farm. Please don't. Please don't take that comparison but, uh, but to I, be a you know, strictly It's interesting that you both had the same one. idea. And maybe I was a jerk for shutting him down so quickly. No, no, no. You're not a jerk. You're right. Um, it's just that, that that's what <laughs> I could he... be both. You could be a jerk and right. Yeah, you can be. Um, no, I don't think you were a jerk at all. Um, yeah, this book really wants to be a comedic Animal Farm. And it's just not... So, yeah, I mean, one of my biggest question is, like, who is the audience here? And at, and at one point in the book, he even says, I don't know who my audience is. Yeah, fucking obviously, because yeah, a couple well, of, yeah, a couple of times he's like, he makes these weird asides in the book, like, hey, parents, if, like, while you're reading this to your kid right now, like, no parent is reading this book to their kid. I would I, mean, I would really like to see what kind of a parent would read. No, because like, like pick this up off the shelf like, <laughs> "Hey, honey, this is be great to read to our son, David Duchovny, the X-Files guy. He totally wrote this book. Like it's probably going to be I, Yeah, I, but I by a couple pages in, they would clearly realize that it wasn't suitable. Um, you know, and I'm talking like children who are you know, elementary school, younger, like this is not a book for them. Um, it's kind of, it seems like he wanted it to be for children of some kind. I uh, mean, it's not like yeah, except it's there's not like, like there's a random Californication style sex scene in the middle of it or anything. No, like that. but there are like sex jokes and turns of phrase that kids wouldn't get, and there's just like. Interestingly enough, I think there's turns of phrase that like even adults wouldn't get. There's this weird thing the the whole book where the main character who is a cow. Um, but it's, she's like a teenage valley girl kind of a cow. Oh yeah, her, her name. Her, the main character's name is Elsie Bovary. She is a a milk cow, but a milk cow who has never given birth and therefore can't be a milk cow. So you know, there's that detail. But we'll just move right past that. A- anyway, uh, what I was getting to is that like she's very teenage valley girl. So David Duchovny will sprinkle in teenage girl slang or what he thinks is teenage girl slang dude it's not sprinkled and, and he's in like four or five years behind the curve on this one and this book was published like two years ago so it's, it's not like that was when you know he was on the pulse of what the teen girls were saying in their slang because there's a lot of like totes magotes and cray crays uh appearing in this book and other such things well, look, here's the thing. You're saying it's sprinkled in. It's not at all. It's it's coated. It's drowning in in this like bizarre yes. approximation of a teenage girl cow. But, and it's just by, like by sprinkled uh, in. I mean, like when man. you have ice cream day at school and you just like 
cover your ice <laughs> vanilla ice cream and jimmies and sprinkles. That's what I mean by that. Oh, and there's also smiley faces. Like there's emoti- there's emoticons. Yeah, because that's how the, the the teen girls are communicating with their cell phones and the texting. And I don't know the, if it's you know I don't, I don't know if it's that far behind because I do actually hear kids talk like this, but um, you know, you mean, like, there's enunciate like enunciate a smiley face out loud. <laughs> yeah, and also you know people say Colon, the word close parenthesis. People say hashtag now as a yeah, you know that, hashtag this hashtag. It's ridiculous. I don't think like real people say that i think like people i see on my computer screen say that and that's a different category of person <laughs> if you know i what don't I mean. know i mean I, I i see and hear teenagers on public transit fairly frequently and i've witnessed some of this shit so i don't I, think it's that far off but it does come off as very like ham-fisted and dad jokey like the oh whole time. It's, it's it's definitely comes off like a dad trying to sound like a teenage girl that which is, is the whole which is tone of this entire is. book david Duchovny is a dad and he's trying to sound like a teenage girl so it, and it is but it's not like he's yeah. working with that like you know he it's not like he's rolling with that punch and understands that he's coming off that way it's definitely just he's sincerely trying to sound his best well as, and the, well no and the funny thing is that i actually think so all right, so A, a lot of parts of this book feel like the author is lecturing me the whole time, which is something I'm sure a teenager would never want in a book. But um, in the end, like, what is he even lecturing you about? But that's later yeah, on, the, yeah. so continue. And, okay, and B, there's an incredible amount of references and cliches, and it's just strange because he has um, both a bachelor's and a master's in English literature from two fairly prestigious universities, and... I just remember as as a high school kid in AP English, like this kind of shit was the first thing that our teacher beat out of us, you know, like, and even, even that's a cliche, having thing beaten out of you, you know, Th- those kind of things were uh, very looked down upon for, you know, getting, getting prepared for like higher level writing. And I, I don't know. And I think, I think part of the reason that it happens so often is just that he is trying to sound like, a teenager who maybe wouldn't know that stuff, but it, it's like overkill. And um, there's a lot of self-referential humor where he's like, ha ha, I know that was a lame dad joke, but isn't that funny? Because I know it's a lame dad joke and I'm calling myself out for it, but it doesn't work. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. And th- there's also this whole kind of conceit. We kind of brushed on it before where the cow is selling her story to a book agent. And that's sort of the way he uses uh the the way he wrote the book to have those asides that mm-hmm. you mentioned before so that's kind of where he's getting a lot of that meta angle in where he's like oh i know like this i'm trying to sell it to a certain market or yeah. something like that i read the book a while ago if i'm being honest with you so I, it's hard for me to recall specific passages no but you're you're right though that that is what happens um you and know that's another that's another cliche, actually, is that whole, like, I'm selling it to my book agent as it's the book that you're reading right now thing that I've seen in, like, a bunch of books, actually. Oh, really? I, I personally never have, but I'll believe you. Yeah, it's, it's, I've seen it a couple of times, and it's just a ham-fisted way to have that meta angle on stuff, like you mentioned. Yeah. And then, oh, like, this whole book is kind of ham-fisted, which I guess mm-hmm. is some kind of dumb pun on eating pork or something, like, because <laughs> yeah. that's about the same level of humor that's going on here. Yeah. Because we have the, the three, we have like a trio that eventually ends up together. You have Elsie the cow, uh, Tom the turkey, I think was his name. Was uh, it Tom or Tim or yeah, Ted? Yeah, I don't, I don't, T the whatever, turkey, I don't know. It doesn't matter. And then there was a pig. That had a couple of different names, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering right. Like, he changed his name a couple of times. Um, and the whole thing starts as Elsie's just living life on the farm and talking to, you know, she sneaks out with her friend cow to meet up with the bulls after dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, uh, she finds out what happens to cows. Yeah, there's a so we'll I'll briefly talk about the scene that I'm gonna um, use that as kind of a launching pad for one of my huge problems with this book. Sure. So go right ahead. What Chris was just talking about, like how the cows sneak out of the barn to go meet with the bulls, and then um, on her way she stops at the the farmhouse where the family lives, like the farmer's family, uh, and looks through the window, 
and sees the television on and there's a documentary on about factory farming and she sees cows being slaughtered and it, it's really traumatic for the for the main character because she's a cow uh and yeah, you, you, know, you know and uh it, it causes her to have this like existential crisis essentially um and so but but throughout the whole thing throughout this whole scene she refers to the television as the box god and and how the people are worshiping it and she's trying to understand their you know their worship of the box god which totally doesn't gel with the rest of the um kind of like the 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 construct for the character and for the animals in this book where the animals all understand cell phones and the yeah, turkey she definitely turns sees out the turkey an iPhone can, later yeah. and it like knows exactly what that shit is. Yeah, like they can use cell phones. They understand all these complex things about humanity and a pig human... flies a fucking plane later on. No, in it's this the book? turkey. The turkey. Oh, the turkey flies, flies the fucking plane. I'm but, sorry. Excuse yeah, like, me. Like a turkey flies How a plane. How outlandish of me to suggest the pig could fly. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just correcting you for I know, I know. what happens in the book. Um. And so, you know, they they uh, managed to escape the farm, get all the way to several airports, get on several flights and evade detection by humans. And it's just so it doesn't make any sense that they would have all this know how, but then not understand a television like there's no consistency. It's a fantasy world without a system, you know, and that's something that always kills me when I'm reading a book and there's no um, kind of coherent world, you know, and, and I know that maybe sounds like heavy criticism for what's supposed it, to be a it, fable it helps but it's with not how much you enjoy like well there's two responses i have to or like a two-pronged response i have one is that at the end of the book duchovny actually has a little section where he's like yo i know this doesn't make any fucking sense but who gives a shit because i don't know why like he really doesn't give a reason except like a cut me some slack and i'm like yeah yeah there's a postscript no, dude like i'm not gonna cut you some slack because like yeah you had a pretty decent run on a sci-fi series that was yeah well received or maybe like you did some soft core that one time that i'm sure a lot of <laughs> ladies appreciated no i mean and, and honestly it kind of killed me to see how bad this book was because growing up i loved the x-files and i, I definitely idolized jillian anderson and david duchovny and their their roles as you know Mulder and scully and uh i know it sounds dumb but when you're a kid you know you get you get into stuff and i've rewatched the series a couple of times as an adult um i haven't seen the new episodes you know i loved i loved him in twin peaks as denise it was hilarious um is that your only appreciation of david duchovny there was never any uh Red Shoe Diaries, perhaps? Oh, I have a funny Somewhere. story about that. So when I was a little kid, I, like I was saying, you know, I loved the X-Files. Even though I was probably too little to be watching it, I was like probably six or seven, honestly, when I started watching it, which is definitely too young. Um, but anyway, I was uh, at the <laughs> at the video store with my mom. We were, you know, going to rent a movie. And I'm just walking down the aisles, and I, I remember seeing... David Duchovny and I go mom mom can we rent this and she's like uh no 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 that's 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 for adults we can't rent that and I was like and I didn't understand I was like I don't I don't understand she's like no no no, we can't and then years later I realized it was because it was the Red Shoe Diaries do you remember like like, the cover of of it all because like I believe most of the covers on those things because my dad had rented a couple here or there (laughs) in his time so that's why I know about this so like um I like the covers are like they're not crazy but there's definitely like you know what you're what you're getting into you can judge the book by its cover let's say i mean i just remember so i'm wondering if you saw like david Duchovny, but he had like half his shirt off and you were like know. look it's Mulder. he's just kind of hot like it's warm wherever he is no no I... <laughs> no i think i just saw his name on the cover of it and it was like a big huge red shoe like i oh, don't okay. i don't remember i mean it was also high above my head it was like on an upper shelf and I was right. a kid, so I don't know that I could really see that there was sexual imagery in it. I apparently not, um, but I do remember that, and and I kind of, I kind of feel like that's happening again, where I'm like, oh yeah, David Duchovny, and then it's like, no, no, <laughs> no you don't want to go near that. Signed up for. Yeah. I was looking for more Mulder, but this is this is different entirely. Yeah, and and he, yeah, you know, he, he, I'm I'm surprised he didn't slip a little more like a like sexiness kind of into his stuff because it seems like that's kind of a theme of a lot of his even in x-files he kind of had that smoldering personality that like it, it wasn't well, necessarily he has, overt, i mean he struggled with a sex addiction quote 
quote unquote his entire life apparently so. i'm just surprised that this didn't turn into some kind of red moo diary or, <laughs> or something like that you know the red mood well it does but in a morbid sense when uh, she she has the, the main character has this rant about blood and all the cows covered in blood and veal and ugh, I, yeah, it's really that's, bad i mean i that's not sexy at all to me but <laughs> <laughs> no, no no it's not but uh anyway the red moo diaries yep um so yeah, like the, she, yeah. the 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 whole book kind of starts, or like the starting action is that she sees the television through the window, and for some reason, there's a documentary about slaughtering cows on TV that these farmers are watching. Like they need to learn about. Oh, I wonder how you slaughter a cow because we're not about to go do that. Like, no, tomorrow. it was about it was about animal welfare, and um, yeah, it was it was like a I don't know, it was probably like a fucking PETA documentary or something, which is kind of how that part of the book comes off, like a bad PETA pamphlet. It's, yeah, it's unfortunately like, kind of doing a disservice to the idea of uh, animal welfare and responsible agriculture and stuff because it just hits you over the head with, this is wrong, you're killing an animal. It's like, all right, well, that's... Well, also, uh, I was expecting this don't want to hear that. To kind of turn into like some kind of like meat is murder parable, which yeah. like, I wouldn't I hate it or whatever, but like it kind of doesn't in the end. Um, like that's the whole reason that all these animals go off the farm together and fly planes around places and shit because they're looking to go to pl- There's a cute little conceit where like the pig becomes Jewish because Jewish people don't eat pork. So therefore, like he would be considered sacred. And Elsie wants to go to India because cows are sacred there, so they won't eat them. And the turkey, I don't really remember. Oh, I remember. This is actually kind of funny. I have to give David Duchovny credit for this. The turkey wants to go to Turkey because they obviously (laughs) wouldn't eat the thing that their country is named after. Except I don't I don't think that makes sense because turkeys are a North American bird. In yeah, the country. Well, it's just it, a coincidence. It, it literally that doesn't make sense, but it got it definitely got a chuckle out of me. I, I accepted it because the turkey is kind of dumb. So yeah, it made sense yeah. that the turkey would think that. So that was actually kind of fun. There's a couple of moments that I actually chuckled at stuff in this book, I have um, to admit. Yeah, I liked the um the crazy rat they meet in the dumpster in New York who like yeah, stabs like these very them urban with a rats. Needle. Like they're used to like farm rats that are like family rats or whatever. Like they come home to their but like like, these are grifter rats that are like out yeah. to fuck them over yeah and and i kind of like that i don't know this is like a weird thing that i like about the book but i kind of like that he tries to normalize pooping i mean that's like, yeah that's like one little like bright spot where you're like okay i can i can get behind that if this was a kid's book but I don't think any child would ever read this, so I, I don't guess think not. pooping has to be any more normalized. I don't think anyone's really like committing hate crimes based around like people shitting or whatever. No, but you know, people people treat normal bodily functions as very taboo, and and it's you know if. Anyway, sure, I'm sure. just gra- yeah. I'm grasping at straws here. Just, <laughs> okay, I'm, yeah. I'm right, trying fine. to find a positive thing I, to you say. You know what? I have to <laughs> give you a lot of credit for trying to find the positive thing in something because that's not a very usual thing for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so I am. actually, I'm sincerely applauding you on this one. Um. Oh, yeah. And, and while we're on the topic of kind of the animals and them interacting with their environment, the um kind of the the high level of specific knowledge that these animals seem to have about the human environment reminds me a lot of the use you know, of language like aircraft flight right it reminds me a lot of the use of language in the art of racing in the rain when remember that dog I and was, racing I was about book to bring that up actually because we that read, has similar inconsistency in terms of like what the dog knew the thing was or not and you had no idea like okay well what is this animal really understand or not because that's kind of the whole intriguing point about a book like this is like what level is this animal understanding things on but if it's all over the place then i I just can't expect anything yeah and and in the art of racing in the rain this dog was having these like really philosophical like deep um (laughs) yeah like really like uh, emotionally (laughs) intelligent breakthroughs and observations Yes, yes exactly yet he couldn't understand that like the stuffed toy wasn't actually an evil demon and like imagine, imagine going to that like 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 the dog is actually your therapist and like when you talk to him like you do like make a lot of breakthroughs but like if he sees a bone in the corner he's <laughs> yeah and in this book felt the same way where you know the thought was there but the thought didn't count enough you know um it just didn't it wasn't consistent 
it, it really feels slapdash in that way in that I don't really feel like he wanted to bother at all in trying to make things feel consistent. He just wanted to tell a series of events that took place because they made sense to him for what, whatever point he was trying to make. Because I don't understand the point of what this book is for. Really? Yeah, I mean, and, and it get, it all goes back to the question of who the audience is, because I think, like, if this was a book that was suitable for teenagers, I get that he was trying to kind of, like, throw them a little seed of interest, you know, in bringing up, like, animal welfare, responsible agriculture, the Israel-Palestine conflict, like... <laughs> yeah, that shit you know, comes up, you well, know. I, yeah, which is... But I kind of, like, like I said, I can see the... in The the good intent he perhaps had that like, oh, maybe they'll read, maybe someone will read this and it'll make them interested in those things and then they'll go research it. But no one's going to sit through this. Like, no one's going to fucking read this book. I don't, we, you know. Yeah, we, we're, Ugh, so, we're a special breed of person that sits through these things. But like, in the end, like, the, I don't understand, there's no moral, not that a story has to necessarily have a moral or whatever, but I don't see, there's no point in the end. It's not like Elsie becomes a champion for animal rights. In the her, her friend cow stays on the farm Elsie is like, come on, you gotta leave with me. But the friend cow is like, no, I'm gonna ha- like, the farmer's gonna provide me a bowl to mate with, and I'm gonna have a child. And yes, maybe we'll get slaughtered later, but in the end, I have a comfortable life. So, it, I, you know, I'm just gonna stay here. Which actually, I think, is a fairly intriguing perspective to put in this book. And I think, honestly, it's a valid position to have if you were in that situation. Yeah, you know, it's just like live and let live. People, you know, if if her friend wants to just be a mom cow and have a baby and live a simple life, then that's her choice. And uh, yeah, Elsie and her friend and Mallory, uh, they, they respect each other's diverging choices. And I think that's, yeah, that's also a good thing to have in a book that's geared toward kids. But again, this book is never going to reach kids. It's never going to reach teenagers like yeah, because uh, uh, in the end when Elsie she has that realization later at first she's mad at Mallory and she's like whatever I have to go out and like escape this place still but in the end she's like ah maybe she was right but it's not like she returns to the farm either she just like starts to try to sell the story as a book deal mm-hmm. so what's the point that I I really don't get what why this was written what's the point what's what are you trying to get across here David besides I guess I guess I kind of like that there's no point I don't I don't know if that sounds weird, but I think I get really sick of every story or book or movie being just this one single simple good versus evil, like this one story plot arc, um, you know, with romance and adventure. Sure, I kinda, the hero's journey that we've yeah, seen. Yeah, I, I kind of like that it's um, that it feels a bit pointless at the end. Uh, sure, I guess. <laughs> but like it's, it doesn't feel pointless in a satisfying way to me. Like, oh, absolutely that not. famous yeah. play Waiting for Godot that I don't really love to read or anything. I but love Waiting for Godot. It's it's a way better thing to watch performed than it is like to read. Like that's I had to very read true. The, read like I read the version. The, uh, the version with Patrick Stewart is excellent. I highly recommend that. Yeah, and like that has like the pointlessness of things is kind of brought to the fore in a way that it's really elucidated upon very well. Whereas yeah. in this book it's pointless just because David Duchovny doesn't know how to write like a coherent (laughs) yeah exactly and that's where that's where I was gonna go with it is that like yeah I kind of like that it didn't follow conventional writing except for the fact that the only reason that happened is because he's not good at it (laughs) and not because I guess like so here's here's an interesting question like doesn't if it brings in some kind of interesting experimentation is it is this story worth being written even though it's not like he experimented super consciously he just accidentally was bad at something so it has a different structure from things is there a difference between art that's consciously made with different structure because you know the rules already and then you can break them versus art that's just unstructured because the person doesn't know any better I mean, I think I think both can produce um, celebrated works that people enjoy. Um, I think both can also produce horrible mistakes. I don't think True. there's there's a yes or no there. Um, but I would like to talk about the fact that he is uh, theoretically very well educated in English literature, with you know holding a bachelor's and a master's in English literature. So it's yeah, it's just surprising that he just sits on all these references and cliches but like i said it might be because he's trying to imitate a teenager but eh, yeah it's just 
for somebody with his credentials, you yeah, would kind I, of expect I, more. I think he wrote something. He wrote another book that I was I didn't really read up on or research or anything. Oh so yeah, maybe. the title is in here. It's called it's called Bucky Fucking Dent. Oh okay. Well, maybe that's a little bit more Californication or something where uh, uh, that or it sounds like that character might be some sort of you know larger than life character. I don't know. Yeah. But but uh, maybe that's less geared towards teens and kids or like a fairy tale or something like that it has the word yeah. fuck in it so i'm assuming like a little bit more adult in nature yeah um there there's I mean, just, uh there's just one other thing i want to address and that's the whole jewish uh yeah, shtick that goes right, on throughout yeah, like, most of we the really book gotta, let's spend a couple minutes on this because this is a borderline bad territory it's not like he's being like well the pig wants to become jewish and the pig isn't really jewish even though he insists he has like jewish ancestry or something like that but come on man like probably not and 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 so he the pig becomes this sort of like i don't know you don't you, you never watched seinfeld before did you um, I actually really don't like it. I've seen many episodes, but I there's I an episode where like, like there's a dentist actually played by Brian Cranston who like becomes Jewish. So he starts making a bunch of Jewish jokes while he's like giving Jerry Seinfeld dental work, and Jerry becomes upset about this because like, oh, you just became a Jew by conversion. You can't really make those Jew jokes, and that kind of feels like what's happening. I don't know if yeah. David Duchovny is actually Jewish or not. Yeah, yeah, his family has Jewish heritage. So all right, um, so I guess it's. M- more fine well no i think he because of that he felt comfortable making these jokes and references but they end up just being like these horrible stereotypes and they're not funny like i mean i i know the stereotype, plenty of, it, it mostly just relies on him saying yiddish words that sound funny because they have the schmear in them like the schmilly and the schmeckle like that's a lot of just that over and well, over yeah and then the pig gets a circumcision which is oh yeah weird <laughs> A random, (laughs) like it did, there's no reason the pig has to do this except like he wants to really convert to Judaism. It's not like it's super relevant to the plot. And thank God that he didn't like go in and describe the actual happening of it. (laughs) You know, I kind of, I almost wish it would have happened because at least it would have been more interesting. Really? I Uh, mean... (laughs) Yeah, I want I want in depth penis surgery play by play. Poor kind penis surgery <laughs> is the name sign. of my grindcore band. Poor sign penis surgery. Oh, that's so good. That thank yeah, you. Yeah, that, that's a grind band. Absolutely. Front so, yeah, that's by just a like a ri- like it's it's a lot of stuff like that where it's just like he's going to the moil and he's getting the manischewitz and the schmooly and the schmorgas like that's really all it amounts to from what I remember. I don't know if there was more egregious examples or not. Yeah, and it's just constant. It's like this stream of consciousness Jewish stereotype. Yeah, it's it's, it's really off bad. Off the top of the dome, like high-level improv uh, Jew stereotypes. Oh, God. Yeah, and I, I just feel like anyone who was Jewish would probably feel pretty offended by it, especially since it's a pig, the animal that Jewish people don't eat. You I, know, I guess there's uh, like the funny man. irony there or whatever. Like, uh, I just don't know if people would take it that way. I do don't know. Pigs, I mean, I'm not do, Jewish, but do pigs even have foreskin? Is that a, do we do, do we want to go down this road, Chris? I do we want to go down that Google search history road where we're googling pig foreskin? Like, oh, I, yeah, I don't know. No, don't if worry. You... <laughs> My search history is already way worse than that. At this yeah, that's point. true. I think I think I once looked up duck penises because I didn't believe. <laughs> well, when... those were pretty fucked up. Yeah, because so they're I didn't... worth googling. Exactly. If, like, if I didn't. No one here know if you're listening to this and you don't know the deal with a duck penis. Look up a duck. In fact, just kind of look vagina. up ducks in general yeah. and realize how fucked up ducks are. Like, yeah, because I I remember somebody had told me like, oh yeah, ducks are totally like necrophiliac necrophiliac rapists with like corkscrew ducks uh corkscrew corkscrew (laughs) dicks and i was like no fucking way like you're just you're just fucking with me me. i told you this because i remember finding this out and being like oh my god i thought they were just cute quacky things that like flopped around on their feet turns out they're awful ducks are terrible (laughs) yeah uh anyway aside from penis research you know what it's really um, it's a really good thing that this trio didn't run into a duck on the streets of new york because they would have been fucked like probably actually fucked by the duck yeah they would have been done uh (laughs) yes indeed they would have yeah yeah that's that's the next romance novel that we're gonna read right done by a duck 
Oh man, done I don't by know. a duck in the dark. We gotta take some some breaks from romance stuff. We just <laughs> yeah. did the mermaid book. I agree. I agree. I agree. I can only read so many lines about tsunamis before. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man, that that's uh. a terrible memory. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be etched on etched on your gray matter for the rest of your life. Cool, great, awesome. There's a lot of other stuff that I would rather remember. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. Surprise. All right, so you, we're not really following like the chronological chronological order of the plot here because there's not much that happens. They they leave the farm as a trio. Um, they get to an airport. They fly to Israel because they they have connecting flights or something. Someone fucks up a ticket or something. So like one of the animals doesn't understand how tickets work, even though later on they <laughs> commandeer the plane. So, like what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was stuff like that. And oh, and also I remember being really surprised. So, you know, the animals leave their leave the farm. The first obstacle they encounter is a wolf. Oh yeah, the wolf. Um, and I think what the cow beats him up or something. I think Elsie beats him up. But um, yeah, yeah. I think there was like an utter beating kind of thing happening. Yeah, and, and anyway, they they get past that, and um, then they Isn't start talking the about wolf, what like kind of like New Jersey ish or something like. Um, yeah, because he, he he's like, oh, my last name was Wolfsheim. We changed it at Ellis Island there, or when we <laughs> migrated from Canada. It's like okay. Yeah, I imagine uh, like the Ellis Island worker. He's just like stamping people thin, and then just like wolves walk by, and he's like, I don't even fucking care. just let them through. I don't give a shit, dude. Well, that's that's like the whole thing in this book. So sorry, what I was getting to is after they encounter the wolf, they'd start talking about what they're doing on their little road trip, and they're all practicing walking on two legs they're practicing being bipedal so that they can pass as people and it actually works like they they wear like huge raincoats and hats and glasses and somehow are able to get through customs and and stores and and like not be noticed and it just doesn't make sense the tsa agent turning to the other one and going like yo this lady has one really big weird tit what the fuck (laughs) yeah it it was just very strange um i don't yeah and and like you were saying it's it's another one of those things where it's like inconsistent knowledge you know with with the characters where elsie remembers the farmer's credit card numbers and that's how they bought tickets on their phones but excuse me but yeah then they they realized they bought tickets like for the wrong place or something and i don't know it's because the turkey has the phone like the turkey is the one with the phone that's why they bring him along like that's his asset to the team right so like the turkey is the one pecking at the phone to order the ticket so i think you can chalk that one up again to like the turkey's dumb or something but like everyone's kind of dumb again so it it, again is just wildly inconsistent as to what the turkey knows or not yeah and yeah when the turkey was like i'm gonna fly this plane i was like fucking serious really (laughs) this is where we're going with this god i thought he i I don't remember i don't think he related it to like i fly in real life anyway so i should be able to fly a plane i don't even think he went with that angle no he did he's at the end of the book he's like i'm gonna become a pilot like my heart is in the sky and like all that cliche shit but like i mean at first when he comment when he decides to try to fly the plane he's not like i should do this because i fly on a regular basis with my wings right because it's a turkey they don't really but yeah but he doesn't even try to like use that as an angle at all being the only one with weight like that's just an overlooked humorous detail i feel like he does say something about it but i don't remember And, and 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 by the way they don't fly just one plane they fly multiple planes like, Isn't it like they've at least two and like one they like stash in the corner of a hangar in an airport like people yeah. just won't notice this fucking extra plane over there? Yeah, and they don't notice this plane like that's like not cleared for a landing or not and not cleared to be an airspace fucking flying around like <laughs> TSA like the, I mean the flight control people, the tower people just fucking all asleep. All every single one of them. Yeah, it, it made no sense. Um I just yeah, and I once again, know. written in like 2015, so it's not like it was pre 9-11 security measures or any, like when I, it yeah. was more reasonable that you would have an extra plane. I don't know what no, I mean but, by No, that. it's true. I, w- I was thinking of that as well. Like this was written or published at a time when, you know, airport security is really high, um, especially in the U.S. where they were flying out of and also in those other countries. <laughs> you know, it's like 
What? How? How does this make any sense? It just, Again, he literally oh, hand waves it away in like an author's note at the end of the book. Yeah. Like I, I know this doesn't make sense, but though also the way he does it, I forgot to mention is he is it's like. Elsie and him are the co-authors of the book, so he's recounting what Elsie told him, and who knows if a cow is trustworthy with Chris. their details or whatever. But no, Chris, they weren't co-writers; they were cow writers. Oh right, remember? Oh, oh shit, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. How could I forget such a clever joke? Yeah, yeah, but but like even then, that's still in the end. That's just David going like, eh, "I'm too lazy to make this make sense." So fuck you, like. That's yeah. like the basic job of a writer, dude. Like, I don't care if you have a master's in fucking whatever. If, you, if you're not making a coherent plot that makes sense, because it, it's not like even the situations don't make sense. The plot doesn't make sense in the end. Because what's it? What's it really about? Is it just about Elsie getting a book deal? Is it about her learning to not eat? Uh, to, it's I not mean, even I, about the meat thing. Like, so what the fuck? Like, I don't understand. I Karis. mean, I think again, I think. I'm a little bit more comfortable with how the book, like how the book arcs and ends. Um, I think I think it's just about it's a book that's like it's about the journey, not the destination, because that's where all the characters kind of end up, right? Like, but do they even grow as characters? Uh, sure. Like what what changes about Tom or the pig? I forget what the pig's fucking name is. So I don't like, know, man. I, Shalom. Yeah, he calls himself Shalom at one point because Jewish jokes. So yeah, uh, I don't know. The pig got a circumcision. That's a changing experience, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty big change, or maybe a small change. I don't know how big the. Big and you know, it, he went to Israel and discovered that he actually didn't like it there, and that people, you know, people hated him, and the derision that he thought he would love, he decided he didn't. Um, same with Elsie. You know, she goes to India and finds out that the cows there are snotty, stuck-up bitches, and she doesn't <laughs> want to be there anymore. And um, the turkey, I think he just discovers his love of flying aircraft. Was that the thing? Yeah, think, yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. So I guess they do change in that way, but it's, I, like it's I not said, necessarily a story about, like, finding yourself either because Elsie just kind of goes back to the city and again it's just like a book thing and she's not I don't even think she comes off as super excited about it she's just like it's the thing you would do I guess for reasons I don't even know why she did it yeah I don't remember actually I should I have a book right here I'll um I don't think there's a a clear reason as to like why she decided to do that It's it's just like oh at the end of the story like I went back to the farm for a second and then I'm here all of a sudden pitching a book deal because I got that idea in my head. Oh, she wait, wait, about- wait a second. I found the very end where uh, she she says what happens to everyone after the story ends. Um, Tom is going to try to officially become a pilot while working toward getting a presidential pardon from President Obama for next Thanksgiving Day. He is also lobbying for Tofurky to replace Turkey as the meal of choice for that holiday. It's a long shot, but he seems to have Michelle's ear on this. Shalom and Joe have been shortlisted for the Nobel Peace Prize for their work in the Middle East, and they may very well win. But first, Shalom may have to spend a few weeks in rehab trying to wean himself off his newfound predilection for psychedelic drugs. Me? I want America to hear my story. I want you, boys and girls, men and women, fauna and fowl, to learn what I've learned. That it is not right to be reviled, nor is it right to be worshipped. We are not gods and goddesses, nor are we devils and beasts. I know nature is red in tooth and claw. I don't blame Wolfsheim for trying to eat us. That's in his nature. What he needs to do to survive. And I know that a life led like Mallory's can have dignity and sanctity. That you can spend a few good years on a farm, have a child, and then be sacrificed to feed someone. There's a simple, circular beauty in that. I happen to be a vegetarian like all cows, but I'm not naive enough to ask a tiger to forswear meat and eat bean sprouts. We are all animals, and we have our place in the womb of Mother Nature. Only man has separated himself from the great chain of being and from all the other animals, and I think that has been to his great detriment and sadness and to ours. I can no longer be part of the herd. I want to be herd. All right, that's cute. Uh, Sorry, that's I had I had to read the ending because it's just so. That's fucking that's bad. not awful. I guess that is the thesis statement that I'm looking for in all this. I, I guess by the end I was just trying to like get through it that I didn't really let that one sink in. So uh, he's saying, or Elsie rather, is saying that live and let live is the end there. I guess just like eh, do what you can. <laughs> is that yeah, it? yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty lazy ending. I guess that the book is just like eh, do what you can. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wonder, you know, I, I'm i not sure if he actually, sorry, there's going to be some typing because I just want to 
check on something that How I thought, dare you I know, research? That I thought I read something um, about him actually trying to get this made into a movie. Oh, Lord. Um, like an animated movie, probably, I'm guessing. But... Unless he wanted people, like, in uh, cow I, costumes or something walking around. I could be crazy. Do you um, think he would cast himself in that movie? Do you think he would try to take a role? Probably. Who do you think David Duchovny would be? <sighs> I'm guessing yeah. he would voice Tom the turkey because Tom that was, would, yeah, that, that he's would the be. most like kind of outwardly brash and confident and uh, I don't know. I don't I don't see David Duchovny doing a lot of uh, Jew jokes and I'm assuming the pig has an affect of a Jewish stereotype sound and I don't imagine yeah. him delving into that territory. Although yeah, David Duchovny as a teenage girl cow is an interesting thought. I, yeah, I uh, I don't know. I can't. Maybe maybe I'm imagining it. Maybe just the story in the book kind of. Uh, maybe they like Elsie in the book was trying to make it into a movie or something. Well, no, that that was a part. I remember that in the book where the cow was like, oh, it got rejected as a screenplay. But I remember reading something about him actually doing that. Uh, or really marketing, trying to market it as a real. Are you sure it wasn't like a play or oh, something? Because no, no, there's like no, no, a couple of aspects no, no. in this where like it's kind of laid out like a play dialogue. No, kind of it's thing. it's written like a screenplay, not oh, not yeah, a. Um, the author says he first pitched the story unsuccessfully to Disney and Pixar. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. There so you go. he did actually try to get this made into a children's movie, and they were like, "Fuck you, this is dumb." Probably <laughs> like, um, nah, we cool, dude. Like, uh, we were sitting on our, a bunch of projects already. I don't think this shit is gonna. Yeah, I have. I've imagine only seen... having like a, a Pixar anim- a, like, but that means there would be like a Pixar animated slaughterhouse scene somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're. Perhaps not. Perhaps it would just be the cow, like Elsie. You would just have like kind of a an image of her face large and her eyes glazing over in horror and reflections of blood. It probably wouldn't be direct because it would be a kid's movie, but, um, <laughs> well, I mean, toy story goes pretty fucked up at the end, man. So like, that's true. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like anyone has given this book a terribly good review, except for random people who probably just really like David Duchovny as an actor. Um, I've read reviews on uh, NPR, Washington Post. None of them are. None of them seem to be very positive. Um, in fact, the uh, <laughs> the review from the Boston Globe for his more recent book, uh, Bucky Fucking Dent, is titled "David Duchovny's New Novel is Proof You Can't Be Good at Everything." <laughs> oh so, man, just a real right kinda, for the fucking throat on that one. Just like, don't even try, Dave. Like, come on. Yeah, he's kind of getting, uh, kind of getting dragged through the mud. But I mean, hey, it's. Uh, I mean, you can't be good at truth. everything. So I guess that you know. I mean, then again, I think Stephen King fucking sucks, and everyone worships him. So you, I mean, like with someone with Stephen King's output, usually there's like at least one that you'll kind of enjoy. Like, what have you read by Stephen King? That's the thing. With Stephen King, I like some of the ideas he has. Like, I'd rather watch movies about them. I hate his writing style. I absolutely cannot stand it. I have tried to read Pet Cemetery, It, Christine. Like, I uh, I hated all of it. They Sometimes he does change it up a little bit. But I, in general, I do also Oops. kind of find him a little bit boring. I like The Stand, and that was about it. Um, the Dark yeah, Tower series I never really got into. Um, Doesn't he self-insert in Dark Tower? Yeah, he kind of does. Yeah. It, it, I, you know, it, it sort of makes sense in the context of what the story is about, honestly. But it, in, yeah, it, it's just kind of a really lame thing all, all around. I'm probably going to get some commentary about about me calling the Dark Tower lame. But like, eh, there's eh. better fantasy out there. Yeah, I've, I've honestly never heard anyone speak about it. Um, it's fairly well known as, in like book reading circles. Yeah, it's well known, but I've never heard anybody talk about it as though it was like really great. Um, but anyway, the first book, the fir- the very first book in the series, has a pretty good tone. I would say. like it's a very good uh, like tone setting kind of a thing, and it gets this like desert chased vibe going through the whole thing pretty well. I would say, but then everything after that is just kind of like this weird western fantasy thing. Which, while at least a neat original idea, instead of like orcs and elves and shit, I will definitely give Dark Tower that. That most of it is like 
Western fantasy. It's like cowboys and shit. Wait, so are we talking like Firefly? Like space cowboys? No, no. It's no. it's more like uh, dimension hopping cowboys. So Earth dimension hopping cowboys. Well, yeah, sort of, kind of. Like, in you know, the, he goes into the real Earth at one point, and then there's other more fantastical worlds that he'll jump into. But mostly, like, you're never going to get medieval or anything. It's mostly, like, maybe 1800s is the level of tech you're at. Okay, so, like, the movie The Wild Wild West, where the Wild Sure, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that famous Western movie. Like, uh, I like that that's your example immediately. Like, well, no, when you said the, the kind of the... I was just thinking, like... The silly hydraulic tech in that movie, like it, anyway. it's a bit more magic than steampunk, let's say. Mm. And let, let this be a testament to how boring this fucking book that we're reading is, is that we're just talking about another book series entirely. <laughs> no, actually, I have one more David Duchovny factoid that I oh. discovered while doing some minor research for this. Um, His penis is what? <laughs> no. no, God, why did you? Thank you. Now, all right, now that's fucking entrenched in my psyche. <laughs> Anyway, apparently he was one of the group of narrators for the Dritz Duerden series that Ice-T narrated for. Oh, you mean like did an audiobook? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was a group of, it was like um, David Duchovny, Ice-T, Felicia Day, uh, the guy that played Samwise in the Lord of the Rings movie, and a couple of other uh, actors famous actors famous as actors and uh yeah that was hilarious because i had no idea that he took part in that i, I gotta get um, that iced tea one yeah. for sure i think i heard a clip of it one time and it sounded pretty compelling so what sorry I, what I, I don't like david duchovny i don't know if he's a great audiobook guy like he's a decent actor and everything but i don't know if he could carry me through a story <laughs> yeah i don't know his like i said he just like kind of talk sings through his song stuff so maybe he's a good narrator I would if like to see if he talk? does different, like, if he is the kind of audiobook person that does different voices for different characters and shit. Oh, man, I don't know. Because that's kind of, like, my favorite part of any audiobook that I listen to, especially, like, the Game of Thrones ones with Roy Dotrys, and he'll, like, have different voices for different characters that are pretty hilarious. Yeah, that would, I mean, it'd be kind of great if he did, but, uh... I don't know. I haven't listened to him do any of it. I watched an interview thing, which he was not included in, but what? his name... Wait, his, wait hold yeah. on a second. There was an interview that he wasn't included in? So what were they interviewing? They were interviewing the other people, the other narrators. Oh, okay. All right. And his, yeah. his name was included, and he's listed, he's credited, but he didn't participate in like the in-person interviewing for some reason. Yeah, he just didn't make it that day. He just... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of all I have for this book. Uh don't read it. It's not yeah, this one's time. a real weak one. Like it, it doesn't necessarily like spectacularly terrible in a way. It just feels ultimately pointless to me. Like I, I there, I guess there was that little thesis statement at the end about, but like if if the point of your book is like, hey, do your best, I guess. Like I knew that already, dude. Like I'm already out here trying. Yeah, I would say the the thesis statement in the book as a whole is just kind of like a flaccid endeavor. You know, yeah, like it, exactly. It I'd, doesn't. Um, like I said, you know, if it had a more distinct audience, if this was truly written for children, which I don't think it would be suitable for, then, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe he would have gotten away with more of this. But because it has this, like, adult content and because it has a lot of the language and references that kids just wouldn't get, I do I truly do not believe that. Are you kidding me? Kids, kids go crazy for pig circumcision scenes. <laughs> it's the hot new trend on Twitter. Uh, yeah. They're all sharing hashtag pig circumcision. <laughs> hashtag pig moil. Uh, pig cut. That's yeah. what they call them. Oh, God. All right. You, no, these, but, these hot pork cuts that we got on Twitter over here. Uh, no, but and the references he makes are just kind of off base. It's stuff that I feel like kids wouldn't care about i just have a, a smattering of examples so west side story animal farm charlotte's web babe star wars gilligan's island depeche mode chia pets the odyssey the iliad like maybe they'd care about star wars in that list that's probably it you've never met a child that was super into the iliad <laughs> <laughs> no uh, just like he speaks in like iambic pentameter all the time and shit. <laughs> that would be a creepy ass kid. 
Yeah, that would be that would be like the omen level child. Just like you riddling know? you all the time and shit. Just like, what's up with your friend's kid? He just walks up to me all the time when he speaks in fucking riddles. Like, am I supposed to solve them? Are you feeding him these riddles? <laughs> yeah. No, and and you know he he talks about like the Promethean phallic symbol. You know things that just also make super any popular sense. with ten uh, year olds is uh... yeah. But I mean some of the other like Cat Stevens references. Um, Pink Floyd, I guess people know who Pink Floyd is, but it just doesn't seem like something a 12 to 16 year old would care that someone is making a reference to. Then again, I can't really tell you what a 12 or 16 year old really would care about. I don't know, Minecraft, Let's Play videos. Oh, and he talks about 70s black exploitation films and yeah. pimps and you're just like, "What? This is a fucking kids book." Like and and it, it just doesn't make sense. I guess, like, you know, at some point, being educated about that stuff, like, just because you have all this raw material doesn't necessarily mean you can synthesize it into something good. And that's where, like, he has a degree. He probably knows about all this stuff and has a fairly, maybe not deep understanding, but, like, a less, more than shallow understanding of some of these things and their context and what have you. But actually putting something together out of that is this whole other deal entirely that I'm not sure you can actually teach in a school besides just someone doing it over and over and over again until they get good at it. No, and actually, sorry, this reminds me, there was one thing I did want to talk about, about the whole audience thing and whether or not this is appropriate for kids. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not not a prude. Like, I, I understand that children have to learn about these things and encounter you know, sex and drugs and difficult decisions and and ethical versus unethical things in the world. But, like, is this the way I'd want my kid? Or is this the way I would have wanted myself? not teaching them anything about how to deal with those things or handle those things, which is something that's sorely missing out of a lot of media, is how to, like, handle situations and relationships with emotional intelligence, which is something I only learned in, like, the last couple years, honestly. Yeah, so so anyway, you know what? I'm not saying that all books for kids have to be dumbed down and super clean. But like you said, there has to be, um, it has to bring it up and then also try to guide someone through that instead of just throwing it at them. Um, and, And you definitely can't do it in a way where it's getting like buried or obscured by all the other shit that's happening in the book. You know, it kind of has to have like a one major thing it's dealing with, or maybe two. I, I think that having, all of these very adult problems in this book that's supposed to be for kids doesn't make sense. It's just yeah. too much. Yeah, like it's bringing up issues and then just doing nothing with them and just kind of using the issue's presence in the actual text at all as like, oh, look, I'm dealing with these situations, but you're not really, you're just hey, talking you about Hey, you know what that for... sounds like? A lot of adults I know, actually. Yeah, you so, know you know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe it is preparing Truth. people for life. Yeah, very, very truthful. I've, I, there's very few people I know that will face a lot of things <laughs> head on. And that also varies to person to person as to the type of things they will face head on. Because there's certainly some things that I've become more courageous, let's say, about just dealing with in the past couple of years. But there's still a couple of things that I haven't gotten over and I need to work on. But if you just if I just were to just bring up the situation in some piece of art and then be like, well, there's the situation, the end, then... It, 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 what's the point? Yeah, that's like how I feel about women that do art with their menstrual blood. It's like supposed <laughs> to be this, oh, I'm so like fucking beyond you. I don't even use paint. I use my vagina blood. And, but like, <laughs> but like, that's all it is. It's just like, no, you, this is, I'm trying to normalize this. So you have to look at this, at this painting of my, of my period blood and, and, and enjoy it and think about it. And it's like, no, you're not, like you're not really engaging with it you're just yeah, shocking people and the, trying to feel holier than even, now but not even shocking because i think the point a lot of the people that do that miss is that there was probably one person that did it at first that did have some shock value so you were forced to think about it or yeah. maybe you know, something like that but like after the fifth or tenth person to make a diff slightly different kind of thing with that it's you, you're not being creative at all you're just slightly altering something that you saw before which is how you grow as a creative person like believe me i the, i've learned most of my musical abilities out of trying to copy something else and putting my own spin on it but i don't just 
do the flat copy with a little spin i try to add way more stuff to it or think about it in the context of something else instead of just like taking a piece like oh i heard this melody before that's just an ascending arpeggio i'll just use that exactly because it sounded good here you have to have an appreciation of the context you're using it in and whatnot i'm going on a long long rambling <laughs> tangent here about this now. no basically, no, no. I, I i just you know i get i get what you're saying um but i think there is a difference between you know a piece of art and a piece of literature that are trying to tackle difficult subjects but are just failing to do so versus perhaps a painting or a song that's just supposed to be aesthetically enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, not so much like tackling a subject as they are just kind of pointing at it. In that's the that's case what I'm saying. Book, yeah, that, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. That's the problem is that they're just pointing at it. Yeah, I, I don't, again, I, I don't think either of us have much more to say about this at this point. That it was sort of middling like it wasn't the most terrible book and there was certainly some points that we enjoyed or chuckled at or, or something like that but it was just, a, it was a quick read you know another like big print lots of space chapters that are just like but what was paragraphs. it like 190 pages and 40 pages of that was a variation on the word schmeckle like, like so <laughs> yeah it was it, it did the, like the two page. It also it did the like the two page chapter thing, which I think for me is the sign of a writer that has like he has like one tiny idea and he can't really flesh it out. Everyone, so he just adds a quick chapter every once in a while. Yeah, that's that was how the mermaid book was too, and I believe other books we have read have been that way. It uh, always smacks of just like I kind of have a very tiny kernel for what the chapter should be, but I don't know how to really sh- dramatize it properly. It's just a quick idea. That's it. It's over. Like, Oh, sorry. My computer just, uh, I don't know, is trying to get my attention, apparently. Okay. Well, we're about to wrap this up anyway, so maybe we should do that before your computer decides to, I don't know, have a meltdown. Yeah. You're still and recording, By my right? computer, I mean Paul's computer. It's okay. actually isn't my computer. I don't know why I said that. Uh, but yes. you're still recording and whatnot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right, yeah, word. so anyway, I hope that... Um, I hope that one day we read Gillian Anderson's sci-fi saga and that it is Yeah, we'll get to that. We're we're always looking for plenty of recommendations. I believe the next book we tackle might be a recommendation from a fan. So please, if you have a fan that is listening to this, if you have some book that you would like our take on, even if you've read it before, tell us about it. You you know, just we we like to hear new suggestions because we're always looking for different avenues of terrible. Yeah, and, and also keep in mind that like, just because we didn't read a book you suggested six months ago or a year ago doesn't mean we're never going to read it. It also doesn't mean you shouldn't just give us more suggestions because we yeah. we try to pick things based on, you know, what we've read recently. We don't want to just keep doing sci-fi book after sci-fi book or fantasy after fantasy or romance after romance. And you try to keep it, you know, try to mix it up a little bit. So we do have some things in our backlog that we could consider. But um, yeah, and also because uh, because I've been having voice issues it's kind of been preventing forward movement, but we're going to read another book. Um, so I'm going to hop yeah. on it pretty quickly on getting the next one, probably. So uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see how that works out. Hopefully you don't have more, was it laryngitis issues, I think? Here? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I mean, I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't been able to get a doctor's appointment because it is not considered... Uh, important enough, evidently. <laughs> so uh, You'll be fine. You just got to avoid guys named Larry. Oh, no. Uh, no, uh, my concern is because it's lasted as long as it has that it perhaps is the result of some kind of infection in my lungs or throat. Um, and that sucks. So I'd like to get it dealt with. But uh, anyway, this well, is you boring just spent, like, about and no an one hour cares about my... Uh, talking. So, you know, yeah, no, no one, wonderful. No one cares about my vocal cords or my personal health. <laughs> you just care about me being funny and reading bad books for you. So Yeah, that's what we're here for. Uh, you yeah. know, con- I'm constantly working on my comedy chops and everything here. So uh, I find this a good sort of honing stone for that kind of thing what do you mean you're working on your comedy chops are you like fucking signing up for stand-up or something like what do you, what are you no i mean about? i'm doing some open mics lately but it's a musical variety but i, I do have to like work on some in between st- i just like to work on being wittier and funnier in general and this oh, yeah. show I mean... this show is a good way for me to just practice quick conversation social interaction and being on my toes funny i'm not like studying the craft of comedy to try and be a stand-up or anything but <laughs> i think it's just a i'm always looking for ways to self-improve this has been a theme of my life the past couple of years just constantly looking for ways to think about things and analyze what i've been doing to just make it better that's all yeah i mean that that's good that's how everyone should uh live their lives in my opinion um all well, right i'm glad but, uh, i'm living up to your most i guess Huh? I'm glad I'm living up to your mold, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We I all mean, know. hey, 
I'm Only to shooting stars break the mold, Paris. Oh my god, you <laughs> fucking! All right, this is the thing he does. This is the thing he does. He constantly tries to insert that All Star song by Smash Mouth in everything, and he sneaks it into stuff. It's like I, I'm it's not the even worst. really doing it that much anymore. It's just become this sort of like control variable for a lot of musical Ugh. experimentation on YouTube. By the way, that video I posted today was very interesting. You should, if anyone likes interesting. Uh, YouTube channels. I recommend Adam Neely's channel. He's on YouTube. He's like a bass player that gives does really cool experiments with music and polyrhythm and like mathematical ratios and shit. It's pretty neat. Well, you know what? He needs to find a better example because I cannot sit through a scientific <laughs> lecture using Smash Mouth music. Like, but it's, it's fractal Smash Mouth, <laughs> which somehow makes it worse. Makes All it right. Worse. All right. Well, uh, I'm done here. You got anything else to say? No. No. This. Uh, this this cow has mood yeah it's cow the fat cow has sung all right paris well uh we'll catch you next time with more terrible books here at terrible book club